Let's pray before we begin. Father, thank you, Lord, for this evening. Thank you for your, your word. Uh, thank you for the experiences that you take us through. Uh, thank you, Lord, that you are in control of everything. Everything that we own, everything that we will come to own uh, is because of you. Uh, so, Father, I just pray that as we hear from your word today that... Um, you would certainly challenge my heart, uh, as it has been challenged, just looking over these two verses, to surrender all to you and, and realize that you are the, the Lord of my life, and I need to um, elevate you as such. And so I pray that you would speak through me clearly, pray that my words would certainly uh, fall to the floor, and your words will go forth um, to challenge our hearts this evening. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. We are looking at First Chronicles chapter 29, verse 11 through 12. In, in this society that we live in, you know, it's a very competitive society. And I believe healthy competition is good. But in this society, you know, there, there's many people, many of us who, you know, we want to be top dog. We want to be, you know the best of the best. We want to be, you know, greater than the greatest. And tonight what I want us to focus on is the one who is greater than all, one who is mightier than all, one who is master of all. And in these two verses, just to give a real brief overview of what verse 11 and verse 12 in connection with, you know, this is, you know, verse 10 is the official beginning of David's prayer. And David's praying because in chapter 17, you know, Nathan, David's like, you know, I'm living in this house. I have a house of cedar. And then yet the, 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 the Ark of the Covenant is in a tent. You know, something's wrong here. You know, I'm going to build a house. I'm going to build a temple for God. And then Nathan, Nathan's going, well, you know. Whatever your heart pleases, go ahead and, you know, do what you need to do. But God speaks to Nathan that very night and says, go and tell David he will not build a temple for me. And so Nathan brings this message to David. And and there are some promises as well that God makes uh, to David through Nathan. But David realizes that he is not going to build a temple. And so he makes preparation for the building of the temple, because, you know, it's a huge task, a huge undertaking for his son, Solomon, to do so. And so he sets the pace in the later chapters uh, following uh, verse 17. He sets the pace with, you know, just the, the, the silver, the gold, the iron, the wood, everything that he has possession of. And he sets the, the, the pace of, okay... The hair is everything that needs to be, that I can offer, that I can give towards the building of the temple. The people then respond and give abundantly as well in chapter 29. And David sees this. David sees, wow, people are giving over an abundance of, 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 of their gifts towards the building of the temple. And in verse 9, it says, then the people rejoiced because they had offered so willingly, for they made their offering to the Lord with a whole heart 
And King David also rejoiced greatly. So David blessed the Lord in the sight of all the assembly. And David said, Blessed are you, O Lord, God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Now the title of this message is The Supremacy of God, His Sovereign Lordship. What does that mean? Right? Uh, we were looking at the beginning of the, the school year, we were looking at the character of God, and we started with His Holiness. And we spent some time there. And I was just praying through, okay, what would be the next character to, to, to have a study on? Even if it's just, you know, one message or a couple messages on. And, and I was led to His supremacy. But that's like huge because, you know, God is, He is sovereign over everything. And, and, and I was, you know, through studying, I was led to this particular passage, verse 11 through 12, where Paul and his gratitude, not necessarily towards the quantity or the quality of gifts that were presented, but just because the people offer it willingly and a whole heart. And then even more so was that God gave them the possessions in the first place, which they have given back to him, which even though it was great and grand, it was still a small portion. And so my challenge for certainly as a youth today is because we have, there's T-Mobile, and you've, most of you have probably heard of T-Mobile. And when they were lodging, launching their favorite five campaign, you know, who's in your favorite five? And, you know, they had like Charles Barkley and different people. And they had to just, you know, just creative uh, scenarios of who's in your favorite five. I'm not in your favorite five, you know. Your mom is on your favorite five. And we have people who we want to emulate, right? There's posters in our space. And parents, you know about this, right? You have your, your teens or your kids and Although they live under your roof, they have their little space that, you know, you just don't impose on their space. So in your room, in your space, whether it's above your bed or on your wall, and depending on what you like, if you're a person who likes automobiles, right, fast cars, there's probably a, there's a lot of selections of fast cars. So whether it's a Ferrari, which is a fantasy um, of mine, um, or... Or, or, or a Kia, or whatever it is, or a Honda, you know, whatever you can afford. But there's that poster because that's something that you dream of. That's something that you would like to have, or something similar to that. Or if it's singing, um, then there's your favorite singer, whether it's you know it's Taylor Swift or whoever it is, um, or KB. I just found out not the local KB. It's this, this other KB from the Group One crew, right? No, not Group One. I felt like students were just going to be, you know, it's like, all right, so what? What group? 116? One, one, okay, 116 click. See, they know. So they, you know, so whatever it is, if it's like me, I, I, I love animation. I, I love to draw. And growing up, I, I cut out a, a poster of The Little Mermaid. And, and it's just because, you know, I love animation. I, I wanted to become an animator, right? And, and still somewhere back there, I still would, you know, we wanted, you know, that's just one of those things. So I had that poster, you know, on the side of the wall. And I, and I shouldn't be saying these things, you know, it's just more animation, more ammunition. But, but back, but back then, you know, I just, I just like, you know, I love animation and, and that, I watched, you know, a little more American. It was just fun and stuff like that. And so I cut that out and, and the Lion King and, you know, so, so I had this whole collage of just questionable posters on my wall. Um, 
But, you know, we, we have posters stuff. We put things up. Like in my office right now, there's a bag, a golf club bag by Bernard Langer. Uh, it was one of his old bags that he used to use. He still plays professional golf. He's a Christian golfer. Came down, stayed at the camp at ALC. Uh, had the opportunity to meet him. And, uh, and so I love golf. So in my office, I have this object that just reminds me of, hey, my passion, what I like, what I um, like to do. Of course, not over here because it's extremely expensive. But whatever it is, whether it's a poster, whether it's a, a TV show, whether it's a golf bag, uh, whether it's a bobblehead, there's things that we set up that we look at because for whatever reason, they remind us of something that's great or remind us of something that we would like to attain to remind us of something that we would like to be, or, or even the quality of the person behind the object um, has. And we would like to have that same quality in the areas that we want. And so, verse 11 to 12, David, you know, just uses all the words you can possibly use to ascribe greatness and, and majesty to God. And, and so, I was just wondering how I was going to frame what this message is going to be like. It's definitely not going to be a, a word study um, at all, because it's not even close to that. But we're going to look at some of these words, and I'm going to give you some definitions in the Hebrew of what the words mean. Because sometimes I believe like, we use words a lot to, 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 to uh, describe God, and, and sometimes I think we forget, because we, we're so churched in that sense where we're familiar with the words. And I believe we become too familiar with who God is and we think we lose that reverence of who he is. And so, verse 11, it says, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. Indeed, everything that is in the heavens and the earth, yours is the dominion, O Lord, and you exalt yourself as head over all. Um, first thing, yours, O Lord, is the greatness and power. In Psalm 143.5, it says, Great is the Lord, and mighty to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. Greatness in the Hebrew, within this context, as it refers to God, is kedula. And I'm probably not pronouncing that correctly. Which means, you know, greatness, great majesty. And then the Hebrew translation of power here is Geburah, which means strength, might, courage, mighty acts. And the, re- and the real unique thing with Geburah, as I was just looking up the words, in the Hebrew, like we write from left to right, right? In the Hebrew language, it's written from right to left. And so if you remove that last letter from the left, then you actually get the word hero. And so a lot of things that we have in our life, the people that we look up to, the celebs, whoever it is, the positions that we want, um, we can look to God as our hero, the mighty one, the all-powerful one, the great one. It goes on to say, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory. And the word glory in the Hebrew is 
Tifera, which means beauty, glory, adornment, splendor. And glory here, the glory of God is usually divided into two categories. One being that of the character attribute as recognition of his holiness, as proclaimed by us, mankind, and all of creation. And then the other being by the various manifestations of his presence in specific instances in the Old Testament. Like when the Jews, when the Israelites were walking through the, the wilderness and he followed them, he led the way by a pillar of cloud by, by day and then by a pillar of fire by night. And then also, if you remember, when the high priest would make an offering and, and, and in the Old, Old Testament where it recorded that, you know, the, the, the temple was filled with smoke with the presence of, of God. So we have one, a character attribute, and the second, the manifestation of his presence, which the Jews, Jewish rabbis usually state in their, their, their writings as the Shekinah glory, uh, a phrase meaning dwelling glory, or he caused to dwell. Then David says, half he says, greatness, power, um, glory. He says, and the victory. And the word victory is nessa, which is eminence, enduring, everlasting. And it's not just like, you know, like our, whatever your favorite artist is or TV show or person. And, you know, they reach number one. Or your favorite author, you know, and it's like bestseller number one. You know, that lasts for a moment. But this victory that we have in God, this victory that we have in Christ, is everlasting. It's enduring. God is the eternal victor who wields his sovereign, supreme will throughout the history of mankind to the othermost ends of the universe. And for us as believers, we know we're victorious because we're sealed with the Holy Spirit in Christ, who is one with the Father, to whom all victory belongs. And the passage of scripture to just further give some insight on that, and it should be up there, is from 1 Corinthians 15, 54, 57, and I'll still go ahead and read it. But when the perishable would have put on the imperishable, and this mortal would have put on the immortality, then will come about the saying that it is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So as we look at the supremacy of God, as we look at his sovereign lordship, we see his, his greatness, his power, the glory, the victory that we have. And then David continues with majesty. And the Hebrew word there is hod which is splendor, beauty, honor. The concise Oxford Education Dictionary offers impressive beauty or dignity, a royal royal power, a title given to a sovereign. Now, I'm sure that, you know, we know that, okay, all these titles that we give God is not titles that we give to him as much as it is through our experiences of God in our lives that enables us to ascribe these things about who he is through those experiences. And then David continues, Indeed, everything that is in the heavens and the earth, yours is the dominion. O Lord, and you exalt yourself as head over all. Job 25, 2 says, Dominion and all belong to him. 
who establishes peace in his heights. May all, Psalm 72, 8 says, May he also rule from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. And 1 Timothy 6, verse 16 says, Who alone possesses immortality and dwells in unapproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see, to him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. I believe particularly for our students, and I think for all of us as well, we face an immense pressure to analyze what the world has to offer. And I'm sure as, you know, I'm not a parent, uh, so I don't have that firsthand uh, experience, but I'm sure as parents, you face that on a day-to-day basis as far as what the world is pressing upon our youth, what sort of worldview they're encouraging them to take hold of. And it's, and it's definitely not this. You know, it's, and, and if it is this, it's like, okay, yeah, you know, you know God and that's cool and he lives somewhere in the heavens and the sky and, and that's great, but this is what I want you to do. And I believe we have a greater appreciation of, well, I shouldn't even say appreciation, but we have a greater recognition of who God is. And as believers, the fact that, you know, he is our, Lord, our sovereign Lord, who rules over our lives, it will help us to readjust the way we live and readjust the way we perceive him. Verse 12, as David continues, says, Both riches and honor come from you. And in Second Chronicles 1, 12, I think I have it up there, I'm not sure. We see here an experience with Solomon, you know, and, and this is, this is like an opportunity that we all dream of, right? We, we hear of, if you had two wishes, what would be your wish? And there's some who are very sharp and they would say, okay, I'll wish for something, but the last wish, I'll wish to have more wishes, you know? I thought that was ingenious, you know, or you have one wish, what would be your wish? They have many more wishes, you know, that's, you know, that's, I think that's smart. That's clever. Um, but Solomon was given a option uh, through the word of God when he was to rule over uh, the people of Israel. And Solomon's reply is, you know, wisdom and knowledge. And he said, you know, cause for who, who can rule over these people who outnumber the dust of the earth? And, and God honors him with that reply. In Second Chronicles 1-12, it says, wisdom and knowledge have been granted to you. But here is, here is when David saying, both riches and honor come for you. Back to Second Chronicles 112. Wisdom and knowledge have been granted to you. And I will give you riches and wealth and honor. And not just, okay, here's some money, here's some prestige. No, such as none of the kings who were before you has possessed nor those who will come after you. And so although the world is offering us so much and offering you guys so much, God has so much more for you uh, that the world could never, ever offer you. David continues after and says, You rule over all, and in your hand is power and might, and it lies in your hand to make great and to strengthen everyone. And here, second account, 
to, to tie in with this is Second Chronicles 26. And here Josephat is faced with a, a possible invasion from, from the, the Moabites and the Ammonites and some of the other ites um, that, that were listed there. And, and they want to invade the kingdom. They want to take over. And Jehovah, King Jehovah, Jehoshaphat, recognized that there's no way that on his own he can overcome this incredible obstacle. And so he prays to God, and here's his prayer. And he said, O Lord, the God of our fathers, are you not God in the heavens? And are you not ruler over all the kingdoms of the nations? Power and might are in your hand so that no one can stand against you. So that's why I believe as, as youth and, and, as, and as adults, when we do recognize who God is, when we do recognize, especially those who have a personal relationship, the access that we have with him, his supremacy in our lives, there is no obstacle, no matter how overbearing it may seem, that's impossible for God to work through and completely remove. And this is what David understood. And this is what kept bringing him to his knees in prayer and adoration and gratitude and in remembrance of who God is. Matthew Carmen, as I was studying through this, I came across this, this uh, passage of, 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 of commentary from Matthew's commentary. And it's, it's somewhat lengthy, uh, but I'll, I'll read through it. And it's up on the screen too, so you can follow, follow as well. And it says, he adores God and ascribes glory to him as the God of Israel. Blessed forever and ever. Our Lord's prayer ends with a doxology much like this, which David here begins with. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory. This is properly praising God with holy awe and reverence. An agreeable affection, acknowledging one, his infinite perfections, not only that he is great, powerful, glorious, etc., but that his is the greatness, power, and glory. That is, he has them in and of himself. He is the fountain, the fountain and center of everything that is bright and blessed. All that we can in our most exalted praises attribute to him, he has an unquestionable title too. His is the greatness. His greatness is immense and incomprehensible. And all others are little or nothing in comparison of him. His is the power, and it is almighty and irresistible. Power belongs to him, and all the power of all the creatures is derived from him and depends upon him. His is the glory, for his glory is his own end and the end of all cre- the whole creation. All the glory we can give him with our hearts, lips, and lives comes infinitely short of what is his due. His is the victory. He transcends and surpasses all and is able to conquer and subdue all things to himself. And his victories are incontestable and uncontrollable. And his is the majesty real and personal. With him is terrible majesty, inexpressible and inconceivable. His sovereign dominion as rightful owner and possessor of all. All that is in heaven and in the earth is thine and at thy disposal. By the indisputable right of creation as supreme ruler and commander of all. Thine is the kingdom and all kings are thy subjects. 
For thou art head and art to be exalted and worshipped as head above all. His universal influence and agency, all that are rich and honorable among the children of men, of their riches, honors from God. This acknowledgement he would have princes take notice of and join in, that they may not think they had merited anything of God by their generosity. For from God they had their riches and honor, and what they had returned to him was but a small part of what they had received from him. Whoever are great among men, it is God's hand that makes him so, makes them so. And whatever strength we have, it is God that gives it to us as the God of Israel, our Father. As I said in the beginning, David's prayer wasn't spurred on due to the quantity or the quality of the gifts that he brought for the building of the temple, that the people brought to the building of the temple, but it was spurred on by the willing heart, the willing wholeheartedness of the people, the gift to their God. And I believe they gave so willingly because they recognized the God whom they served. And I believe if we recognize the God who we serve today, which is the same God yesterday, today, and forever, then we too will surrender everything that we have to him. Because everything that we have from him, everything that we have is from him. And so my prayer is that we would join David with our own prayer of gratitude and recognition of God's supremacy in our lives. And my hope is that our attitudes, our lives, our worldview will be refreshed with that reality of how we are dependent upon his supremacy in our lives. He is our sovereign Lord. He is the ruler of our lives. Everything that we have, everything that we will ever have, comes from him. So he's deserving to be posted on our literal walls, in our homes, rooms, and also in our hopes and our dreams. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you uh, for your word. Um, Father, thank you, Lord, that you are indeed great and you are indeed powerful and that your glory and your victory, your majesty, everything about you is everlasting. Thank you, Lord, that your dominion, that you exalt yourself head over all. We thank you, Lord, that both riches and honor come from you. We thank you, Lord, that you rule over all and that in your hand is power and might and it lies in your hand to make great and to strengthen us. So, Father, as we recognize who you are, and I'm sure these are things that we are exposed or exposed to before, but I pray that we will not forget. You are our sovereign king, our master, and you love us. And I pray that as a response to your great love towards us, that we will express that love by offering ourselves and everything that we have back to you, because you are more deserving of it. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.